Well, welcome everybody to another one of our financial wellbeing podcasts. And this is rather a special one because normally we're gathered together in uh, in Bud Towers, uh, all together in the same room. But we're recording this one in the middle of the third week of uh, COVID-19 isolation. So we're all sitting in our separate houses. I'm at home in my uh, home office. Chris and Tomo are at their own respective places. We're hoping we can get through this without their interruptions from Tomo's son, Toby. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, my name's David Lloyd, a writer, broadcaster, sort of co-host of this podcast. Chris, who are you? I'm Chris Budd, standing in my cabin in the garden where I spend most of my time these days, actually. So I've been self-isolating for quite a few years, so this is no great shock to me. Yeah, I'm sure your family are absolutely delighted that you have a shed in your garden yes. during these troubling times. The feeling is mutual, I can assure you. <laughs> Tomo, who are you? Who are you? I'm Tom Morris, and uh, Director and Charter Financial Planner at Ovation Finance, who kindly put on this podcast for the listening public. And uh, yeah, I'm currently looking at Chris's fetching headgear that he's got on to try and make it sound good, but he does look like a, a little bit of a plonker. But hey, we let him let him off. Uh, nothing new there. Yes, I realised looking at myself, I'm desperate for a haircut, but I haven't found a barber yet with six foot long scissors. So I'm just having to let it grow long. I used to have very long hair. Well, I might, I might have to revert to that. Anyway, uh, just as well a reminder that these podcasts are all based around the Financial Wellbeing book, which Chris has already referred to. And that is generally available. So if you've not heard of that before, you'd like a copy, get yourselves a copy. It's available on Amazon. They're still delivering. Uh, it's very cheap. And all the profits go to Penny Broad Cancer Care. What's on today's podcast, Chris? Today, David, we are going to have a chat about how we are all feeling during this lockdown, what we might be learning about money and maybe a practical suggestion or three to uh, as to what people might be doing right now. Excellent. Now, we usually have a section here where we're looking at common questions from clients of Ovation Finance, but we're going to look into that in a little bit more detail later. So instead, let's move on to probably the prime feature in all of these podcasts, Tight Ass Tomo, where uh, producer Tomo gives us uh, a hint or a, a way of saving money. Chris, have you got one before we come on to Tomo? I do. This is a bit silly. Actually, it's extremely silly, but uh, why not? It's a bit of fun. One from our old friend of the show, Chris Ankers, who is at Ankers43, who said, name your child your current number plate, then keep your number plate. And then when they pass their driving turn, you can give them a personalized number plate as a gift. Eat your vegetables, EZ67DCR. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I've got one before we come on to Tomo, which is basically self-isolate during a pandemic because I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to the pub. I'm not going to the restaurant. I'm not the going to the theatre. I'm not going to the cinema, uh, which is fortunate, really, because, you know, we're in common with a lot of other people. Income is, well, at the moment, for me, non-existent. So that's a very good way of saving a little bit of money. Tomo, what have you got? Well, I'm going to dust off an old favourite of mine. We are currently indoors with a bit more time on our hands well some of us do anyway i'm sure we're, we're touch on the fact that i've not got so much time on my hands with a toddler but that there's another point and it's a tip that i've mentioned before but i think it's worth remembering as we've got this administration time on our hands and it's called the specified adult childcare credits now quite the mouthful and we will put a link in the show notes this is particularly for parents who have a child under the age of 12 um, and I use myself as an example in this. So my mother-in-law looks after Toby once a week. And my wife works and 
earns enough by her salary to already get national insurance credits. So what we can do is actually pass on the notional child benefit national insurance credits to her mum at the end of each tax year, which is great for her because she's retired now. She's got a few gaps in her national insurance credits. So we shift what Lindsay would have got through the child benefit system over to her mum. So that means that she gets some extra state pension without having to put her hand in a pocket. So it's a really good system. It works for grandparents, other relatives that are looking after uh, small children. It's just a, a bit of a fillip there for people who are doing the childcare. You might not necessarily be getting anything for it. Other how, than does, love, how does somebody actually get that, Tomo? So I will put a link in the show notes, but it's on the government website. Um, again, I've, I think I mentioned before, the government website these days for this sort of thing is actually really quite good. And what happens is, is that once the tax year is done, you're able to claim for it. All the details are going to be on the link. I could bore you to tears otherwise with all, all the details of exactly how to do it. But it's brilliant. And just to put a monetary figure on it, to get an extra year's worth of credits for your state pension would cost you around about £700. And that's actually worth about £250 to you extra a year when you come to state pension age. So it's a really good deal. Excellent. That's well worth knowing. Thank you, Tomo, for that uh, rather sensible, tight-ass Tomo tip. Sorry. <laughs> bit boring, if I'm honest. I prefer the one about your wife's small feet. <laughs> <laughs> I should have dusted that one off. <laughs> right, Chris, uh, why don't you introduce our subject for today? Okay, thanks, David. So uh, it's a bit of a delicate subject because I want us to reflect a little bit about what we're all going through at the moment uh, to see what we might learn from these last few weeks of, of us all having to be at home. I've been speaking to quite a lot of people. I'm sure we all have, as I've been part of loads of online meetings. By the way, did anybody buy shares in Zoom before this was all started? No, uh, my financial you, advisor didn't this? tell me to. I'm <laughs> about that. Did you hear the story that people thought they were buying Zoom, but were actually buying a different company that had sort of the moniker of Zoom in there uh, oh, no. as a share, so they could <laughs> a company that's completely irrelevant <laughs> well there's a lesson in that isn't there anyway so i've been i've been on zoom all blooming week it's great and i've been speaking to loads of people and it strikes me that one of two things is going to happen when we emerge from the other side of this pandemic either we are going to go back to old ways or we're going to emerge to change in some way I think we have an opportunity to change. So I'd like to reflect on lessons we might be learning right now as we record this, so we might all come out of this stronger and with a better relationship to money. Oh, sounds good. But why do you say it's a delicate subject? Well, I don't want to be preachy about it. It's a tough time for many people, and including some of us. You know, my income's gone through the floor of my consultancy business. So it's not about us telling people what they should do. I saw a tweet from some idiot the other day saying, if you're not learning a new skill or language right now, then you're missing your opportunity. Of that. We're not going to patronise people by telling them those things like that. But we'll just go through a few things that we suggest people might like to think about, given what we know about money and happiness. Uh, and I'm going to share a few things that I've learned as a financial planner, both myself and, and also with discussions that I've had with, with clients. Yeah, from my perspective, when I think about how I'm feeling about things, it's a bit weird. I've got a lot of time on my hands, and yeah, I'm also finding myself very busy filling that time. Uh, <laughs> you want to try being in lockdown with a toddler? 
thank you. <laughs> we had oh, a little wave from Toby earlier on. In that time, oh my goodness, because we're still working full time with innovation. We're very fortunate that we're able to continue what we do, actually probably at the most important time for clients, for us to be there. But also my wife's a teacher, so she's trying to fit in her uh, timetable of doing the work that she needs to do. And then a toddler who, bless him, needs to be, you know, stimulated, given activities to do all of that. It, it, it's, yeah, a busy time in the Morris household. <laughs> any, any tips for people with toddlers about how to get them to expend energy? Oh, do you know what? Usually I'd say just let them out off their leash like a Labrador. But of course, we can't really do that. So what could you do? Do you know what? There are a lot of good stuff on YouTube, these little kids yoga sessions or kids uh, exercise sessions. It's it's Andy's Safari Adventures or Andy's Adventures, my son's obsessed with. So he does these yoga activities with them. So there's plenty out there. If you found um, yourself at two o'clock in the afternoon next to your son trying to turn from an acorn into a tree. <laughs> yeah, quite. I've, the, the, the sad thing is, though, is you can well imagine a toddler is far more flexible than a, than a <laughs> man. <laughs> so he's putting me to shame. Yeah, so let like, leash. We got the paddling pool out today because it's oh, sunny outside. So that, that's a start. So like, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I found that the, the one subject, it's, it's a bit like when you have a, a baby, everybody talks about sleep. And right at the moment, I found that everybody's talking about time. You might have be an employee that's been furloughed uh, or a business that's been mothballed. And some of those people literally have nothing to do during the day. And some of the TikTok and, and YouTube videos have been coming out as a, as a result have been very entertaining. So one way of looking at this situation is that we have an opportunity with the time that we have been given, even if we didn't actually ask for it. Yeah, I guess that does rather depend on what you do with that extra time. Assuming, of course, you actually have any extra time. Uh, this would be the case for everyone, given they might be like Tomo, you know, at home looking after children. You obviously haven't got an awful lot of extra spare time to uh, to use up there. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we're just trying to give people things to think about, because yeah, we don't want to generalise the situation like this. I, I did a little survey of a bunch of financial advisors, a, a group called the Next Gen Planners, a great bunch of mainly younger advisors. And I asked them if they were much more busy, a bit more busy, a bit less busy, or much less busy. And I was really surprised the result was almost equal across the four categories. So some people are much busier, uh, and some people have not much to do. So we either have less time or much more time. So it's different. What about you, David? Yeah, well, I'm, obviously I'm self-employed. I'm used to being at home. So so from that side of it, nothing new. I mean, I had an interesting thing happen to me just a, just a few days before lockdown. Uh, my, my brother, who lives in Saudi Arabia, contacted me. He's stuck in Saudi Arabia. His wife was in China visiting her mum and was stuck in China. And their son, Ross, my 16-year-old nephew, was at boarding school in Norfolk, but the school was closing. So he didn't have anywhere to go. He couldn't get home. So I drove to Norfolk and picked him up and brought him back. So he's been staying with me for the last almost month now. And I have to say, initially, I thought, oh, how's that going to work? You know, 16-year-old in the house. Actually, he's been an absolute diamond and we're getting on really, really well. But what we realized fairly early on was one of the ways of making that work was we need to set routine for ourselves. So he's been doing great work around the garden. I've set him lots of little tasks. I had a big patch of lawn. He's deturfed it. He's dug compost into it. He's turned it into a vegetable garden. We've put a fence around it. I've spent more time in the garden than I ever have at this time of year. So I'm doing lots of stuff in the garden. 
I've gone back to my uh, novel, which I've been writing for about three years now, and I'd ground to a halt with it. Graham Greene, the novelist, set himself a target of always writing 500 words a day. And I thought, well, if that's good enough for Graham Greene, it's good enough for me. So I'm writing a minimum of 500 words a day, but it's usually nearer 1,000. So all of a sudden, I'm cracking on with my novel. I've only got about 15,000 words to go, and the first draft will be done. So that's very exciting. So there are upsides to all of this. The downside is I... I don't get a chance to see my partner, Gail. She's a doctor. Her daughter lives with her and she's working in a care home. So we've decided we, we, we can't really spend any time together. And that's been really, really difficult. But actually, you know, we're getting through and we'll hopefully all come out the other end. And I, I'm trying to make sure that, that my, uh, yeah, my well-being remains good. But, but certainly my financial well-being is um, not so good. Uh, not so good. But mm. you know, that's, fortunately, I've got a bit put by. So uh, I just hope that uh, by the time that all runs out, the government will have come up with a financial compensation scheme for which I qualify because at the moment <laughs> there isn't one. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the big things that people will learn out of this is the importance of an emergency fund. Having three months expenditure sitting in a bank account doing nothing is like day one of financial planning school. So hopefully people who uh, who didn't have that will now make that one of their aims over the next few years is to build that up. But I want to just refer to a book called Happy Money by the authors of Dunn and Horton, because they have a really interesting, one of the five areas that they talk about with money and happiness is the effect of decisions, um, depending on whether we view those decisions from the perspective of time or money. So they say that if we view our choices as being how we're spending our time, they tend to be intrinsic, focusing internally on what makes us happy and things like social relationships. But if we focus our choices on money, then those choices will be less likely to be about our well-being. Now, they quote a number of sources and research pieces. One that caught my eye was if you ask people to donate to charity, rather than saying, could you give some money to charity, you start by saying, are you able to give any time to that charity? Then even if they can't, when they do donate money, they end up donating more money if they have first considered it in terms of time. So if we see time as money, you know, that old, I can't remember who said it first of all, but time as money, then we're actually reducing our happiness. So for many of us who do have more time on our hands at the moment, but of course we've got less money. So perhaps there are some like me that have had speaking engagements cancelled, been furloughed, and, and people are receiving less income. So if we look at your choices, David, that you've just described, are they based upon money or time? Now, I think it's fair to say that nobody, apart from J.K. Rowling, writes a novel for money, do they? So that decision to go back to your novel, that's about time, I imagine, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, I hope, obviously, that if, I mean, there are people that make money from novels. Certainly, I don't anticipate that I will make as much money, if any, from my novel as I do from writing for television, which, which does pay very well. But primarily, it's about time. Primarily, it's about doing something I always said I would do and I've never done before. And I just want to get to the point where I can turn around and say, yeah, I've written a novel. So that's the main reason I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I've got the time to do it. I'm doing it because I'm enjoying doing it. If as a result of that, I do make a little bit of money from it, you know, three and six, whatever that might be, that would be great. It might become an international bestseller. Who knows? But that is not my prime motivation yeah. for doing it. I'm doing it because I want to get it written. Yeah, yeah. And likewise, the gardening, I guess, you know, you're turning your lawn into a vegetable patch. That's fantastic. That's going to save you money in the future. That's a healthy thing to, to be doing. Exactly. So I, you know, I enjoy gardening, but it's not at the top of my list of priorities. Now I've got time. I'm rediscovering how nice it is to spend an hour or so every day. Supervising somebody else doing it. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, exactly. You know, he gets up. He gets up before I do and goes <laughs> and works while I'm still in bed. But no, I'm, doing, a, my, I'm doing my bit as well. Morning school. That if he's up early in the morning, wow. Yeah, I know it is. I oh, listen. He's, it's given him a fantastic grounding. That school in you know he's, he's ineffably polite, incredibly polite, hardworking. He usually gets up at six in the morning and goes to the school gym. So he's just getting up early in the morning, oh. doing some gardening instead. I, I do. I do remember because I, I called you a few weeks back to touch base, and you you were. I think you must have been in the car driving back from. We were driving back from picking him yeah. up. That's right. Yeah, and I do remember you were you were excited to spend some time with him. But at the same time, I could hear the, the quiver <laughs> in the throat. But yeah. I'm glad it's working out. I'm, I'm glad it's working. Yeah, it's out. working out really well. I'm glad to say, really well. So the, the message is uh, is that although it's, it's not easy, uh, if we can see this as an increase in our time rather than a reduction in our income, it might make the situation easier easier to handle. And if I just conclude with a quote from the book of Happy Money. By focusing less on money and more on time, it is easier to use both of those resources in happier ways. Yeah, I, I'm, that, gonna use, I, I'm just going to use one example for me. Now, as I said, still working as, as normal, but one thing I have in my routine now and have in my life is every mealtime, I'm sat down with the family. You know, phone switched off, outside world switched off. So three times a day, breakfast, lunch and tea or dinner, I'm able to really have have some quality time with my with my family which wouldn't necessarily happen before because of commuting normal working day so yeah on the subject of time i'm gaining that back which is great one positive that i've noticed as i've been walking the dogs or, or perhaps doing my daily or every other day run that i do the number of families you see walking out together in a way that, that they wouldn't normally be doing. And, and yeah. some of them might be struggling a little bit, but you, you get the impression that for many of them, actually, it's probably a, a pleasant surprise to realise that they can do something as seemingly mundane as just going for a walk together. And of course, what we've got to do, the challenge is, is can we keep some of these good habits going mm. post, post lockdown? So there we go. It's just a little thought about time. And, and that book, Happy Money, is a really, really interesting book on the, on the subject of financial well-being. Right, so Tommy, you must have been when not trying to manage your toddler very busy over the last few weeks with the you know stock market crash and uh, everyone at home with more time to worry about it. Is there anything particularly that you've learned from that experience? There's quite a few things I've learned from that experience. The first one being is not not everybody feels the same way about what's going on. Is the big one. I have spoken to some clients who have been understandably nervous about seeing their pot reducing value but as as i like to reiterate this is temporary you still own the same amount of everything it's just worth a little less right now and um, this is what happens with investing and why it's important to have cash set aside to to make sure that you've got time to allow things to recover and just reminding why we're invested in the first place is is often to to meet our longer term objectives and and future lifestyle but a lot of people that I've spoken to, this is unique. I, it's not like the stock market is the only thing that's worrying people. A lot of the time, they're not that fussed with what's happening with their pension or their ISA or, or investments, because to be quite frank, there's bigger things going on. So it's, it's been about just learning how people have reacted during this time. Uh, it's been fascinating, really. And, and it's something that, that I will take on once we come out of this because this this will pass i'm i'm convinced of that yeah it's been interesting for me because i'm 65 this year uh, next year i'll be 66 clearly that's how it works <laughs> and i'll i'll qualify for my state pension then so 
in my own mind, I thought, well, one more year of working, you know, pretty much full on. And then I can start to make a few choices about how much I work. And I know, Tom, you and I have discussed this. And actually what's happened is that I've got an early insight into what retirement might be like. Mm. And I have to say, if, if it wasn't for the financial uncertainty, I'd rather like it. But I'm at a different stage in my life than, than you are or even Chris is. We're probably of three different generations. And so it's probably easier for me to say that. I think if I was you know, younger and still had much of my future ahead of me rather than behind me, then I would be a lot more worried, I suspect, about the implications of this for me and my family. Yeah, I think we're touching on how everybody has different circumstances, different situations, at different points in their life, and reacts to things differently. You know, one thing I'm saying when I'm when I'm hearing people with that anxiety on the phone or that worry and that concern, it's just letting people know it's okay to feel like that. That is completely normal. I had a, a, a fascinating chat with um, Neil Beige, who who is a guest on the podcast a while back and we did a little bit of a webinar for our clients and he touched on this and he put it brilliantly to say this is normal this is in our dna to be worried it's okay not everybody will feel as worried as others so that is important to address that particular point but yeah people are in different stages to be to be frank those that are a bit younger if we're focusing just on their their pension pot building up they're not that fussed because ultimately they probably going to have some regular contributions going in each month that's going to be buying things a little bit cheaper they're okay it's miles away till they need it those approaching retirement are probably a little bit more nervous about what's going on but then again you put things in place and plans in place to make sure that even if there is a wobble in the market they're still okay we still buy them time to let things recover but it's fascinating that you're at that point where you're making this transition or we've been discussing this transition and you're being forced to experience it. And that's going to inform so much of our discussions going forward. So I think a big tip I would give to people is just note how you're feeling right now. Maybe get a pad of paper, scribble it down. How are you feeling? How are your emotions? What are the positives about this particular period of time? What are the negatives? Because then you can look back in a year and actually, well, how was I feeling at that time? How was I making decisions? Can I learn from that? You know, I'll use a, an example. If, if you're really not enjoying this experience of the markets going down, does that inform how you should be investing once we come out the other side of this? So it's just really, this is a, a real live experiment going on. I think this comes back to Chris's point earlier, which is, is this going to fundamentally change the way in which we think not just about our investments, but about life in general. I think in some ways it will. In other ways, sadly, I suspect it won't. But we won't know until we come out the other side. But it's up to us, David. That's the thing. It's up to us whether it does or not. That's, that's Tomo's point. Um, there are some things in society that may or may not change. But society is only made up of the collective will of the people within that society. So if we all have a different attitude towards our money, then society will change a little bit. Um, governments will change. I, I wonder if... Uh, 
you know, some of the, someone like Boris Johnson, who, who's got his critics, I, I have been one of them. Um, we wish him well right at the moment, obviously. And I wonder if somebody like him will come back to politics and just see things a little bit differently because this is serious stuff. And maybe it's time to stop arguing between politicians and, and, and start trying to do common good, you know. Anyway, let's not get too much into that one. But... Uh, I, I, I know where you go with this. I suspect the way that the people are still using politics at this time to stick each other with it makes me think that it's not going to be quite as rosy. But that's up to us, Tomo. That's up to us. And if, if we as people say, do you know what, we've had enough of that, then it will have to change because, you know, the old expression, you get the government that you deserve. But anyway, that, that's a political thing. So let's not get too much. But whether we change is up to us. That We control whether we will come out of this with a different attitude to money or not. Yeah. Okay, so thanks for that, those thoughts. Chris, have you got any other tips about what we can be doing while we're stuck at home, what other people might be able to fill their time with? Yeah, I'm very conscious that our, uh, we, we call Tomo the producer. He's not the producer. Tammy's the power. We all know that. It's um, just and, a fancy name because I don't know what else to call myself. <laughs> we got a few We suggestions. call you quite a few. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. They don't, they don't get into the edit, I can assure you. <laughs> but Tammo made a comment that uh, a lot of the people of Ovation clients have been saying to her is, what can we do? They've been asking for things to do. So at the heart of financial well-being, number one of the five list of financial things that, that constitute financial well-being is having a clear path to identifiable objectives, which in very simple terms means having a financial plan. Now, this is quite an interesting one for me. What actually is a financial plan? If listeners to this podcast have a financial advisor, what would they actually pull out of their file or open in a Word document that they can point at and say, that is my financial plan? Well, now, this it, is... Sorry, sorry David, go on. Go on. No, no, do, I, I was just going to say, if only we had a chartered financial planner, we could ask. Exactly. Hello, do you know anybody? <laughs> uh, no, I'm afraid I'm, afraid I'm at a loss. Well, what, what do you think then? <laughs> You'll do. Uh, look, a financial plan, it's an interesting one. It's something that you can tangibly pull out and go, right, this is where I'm trying to get to. And this is how I'm trying to achieve it. And we use a document. uh, We call it the financial well-being plan when we first start out with clients. And every year we update that. And it could be a simple one pager where it just goes, right, these these are where we're trying to get to. And this is what we're doing with your finances to get you there. And this is what you're going to be doing with your life to achieve these things. So it it needs to be stated and you need to update it at least every year. And we have a saying at Ovation, you're going to see us at least once a year, whether you like it or not. And I stole that one from Chris before he... You stole all your lives from me. (laughs) But that's incredibly important because it's not just about focusing on the plan. It's planning. As we are discovering right now, it's about updating the plan it's evolving the plan so it's it's having this initial bedrock that we use and then iterations of that as we go forward so the financial plan will have three parts to it it's going to have a summary of objectives going to have some sort of a cash flow forecast to see like or a spreadsheet to see if those objectives are achievable and then some specific actions for how that's going to be achieved. Didn't, th- didn't Chris put it so much more eloquently than me? I really <laughs> went on a waffle then. <laughs> so look, right? Those three is, points, just, the rest of what I just said, ignore. <laughs> this is what the financial well-being book 
does. So just give ourselves a little plug again, but bear in mind all the proceeds go to charity. The Financial Wellbeing Book was written so that people can make their own financial plan. So uh, if you want something to do, buy the book, go through it, and this is the way to do it. You read through the Financial Wellbeing Book without writing too much down. But then when you get to the end, you start again and then you go through it again like a workbook because you need to read through it first of all to get you thinking and then you go through it practically. So if people want something to do right now, buy the Financial Wellbeing book and work through it. Buy it directly from Penny Braun and the, all the uh, proceeds go to them. So that, that works. Yeah, it is. You touched on it and I'll repeat again. Chris is talking about it's constantly going over it, reevaluating it because life does change. But what a perfect time. we got time on our hands. Or at least some of us have. What a great opportunity to think about what's important. Well, life does change indeed. And who knows by the time this podcast goes out where we'll be at as a country. So wherever you are and whatever's happening in your life while you're listening to this, do stay safe and do tune in again for another one of our financial well-being podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think.